Father, we know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we are here now submitting to your lordship and opening your word. We expect to be nourished and to be fed, and we ask you to feed us so that we might be a strong and sturdy people who are ready to serve others for your great namesake in the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Pastor Nick mentioned earlier, we're beginning a three-week series of sermons from the Gospel of Mark that will last us through Easter called A Different Kind of King. And I invite you now to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 32 through 45. If you don't have a Bible, that can be found on page 846 in the chairback Bibles. That's Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 45. Well, over the past several months, we have heard and seen, perhaps till we're blue in the face from our, or red in the face, depending on what party you are, Uh, from our presidential candidates on what makes them different from their contenders, from their competitors. Each one of them seeks to outsplendor the other with their track record, their charm, their resume, their hair, uh, their suit. Each of them claims for themselves the upper hand so that the debates are actually a lot more entertaining than informative to watch. This is the way the race for the White House works. They ascend to the Oval Office through alpha behavior, insults, and intimidation. But what I want us to see this morning is that Jesus is a different kind of king. He is a servant king. And as you found your place in Mark chapter 10, follow along as I read verses 32 through 45. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See... We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, 
we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What we find in this familiar passage is remarkable. (laughs) Jesus, in his campaign for king, does not rule by intimidation or insults or threats. He does not flaunt his splendor or constantly advertise his elevated status. No, just the opposite. He serves, he suffers, he sacrifices. And although He is not the king that you and I would have expected. And although he is not the king, perhaps, that you and I would have even requested. Nevertheless, he is the king we need. And what I want us to see this morning is that Jesus is our servant king who calls us to serve like him. Jesus is our servant king who calls us to serve like him. Jesus understood that he was sent to serve. And we must understand that as well, as we are his people. And the question I want us to answer this morning is simply, how do we do this? How do we serve like Jesus did? I believe our passage can be divided up into three sections. The first In verses 32 through 34, we see that in order to serve like Jesus, we must die to self. We must die to self. Our passage begins with Jesus and his disciples on the road to Jerusalem. Jesus knows that he is going to die. And he has tried to tell his disciples not once, but twice of his impending suffering and death, but they do not understand and they refuse to believe him. You see, Jesus was on the road to success. If you read, if you would have read the first eight chapters of the Gospel of Mark, you would have known that. No one was endorsing him, but thousands were following him. He was on the road to success But God called him to the road of self-denial. And God will often issue to us that same calling. We will see 
the road to success laid out for us, fame, fortune, grandeur, and God calls us instead to a life of self-denial. And if we're not careful, we can begin to feel as though our gifts and our talents are being wasted. Mothers, do you ever find yourself wondering why you worked so hard for that degree only to stay at home with the children? Or maybe there are others of you who were climbing the corporate ladder and rising in prominence only to receive that sudden phone call that informs you of your demotion. And we say, how catastrophic, how pitiful. But it's not a catastrophe. It is a calling. Jesus can relate to your despair. He was on the road to success, but God called him to walk instead the road of self-denial. So Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. It's a difficult journey in more than one way. It is almost entirely uphill. And yet Mark tells us, I don't know if you noticed this, that Jesus is leading the way. In fact, Jesus is moving with such resolve that people are starting to wonder about him. He's moving uh, like I do when I'm trying to mow my lawn before the rain comes. Mom and the kids know to stay inside because daddy moves like NASCAR when it's about to rain. And in the same way, well, not in the same way, but in a similar way, I'd have to say, Jesus is on a mission. The disciples watch him with amazement. The other travelers begin to question his sanity. But everyone on the road mistakes Jesus' obedience for madness. Have you ever been misunderstood like that? In your attempts to obey God's calling, have people misunderstood your obedience for madness? That is the cost of discipleship. When you and I walk the road of self-denial, we will be misunderstood. People will begin to wonder about us and question us. You're going into the ministry? You're taking that job with that salary? You turn down that opportunity? You're moving into that neighborhood? But friend, remember the words of our Lord. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also, what? Persecute you. There's no fine print in this gospel. The road of self-denial is almost entirely uphill. Expect it to be difficult. Expect to be misunderstood. And I'm afraid we must also expect something else on the road of self-denial. In verses 33 and 34, we learn that we must also expect to be mistreated. 
Jesus tells his disciples a third and final time of his impending death, this time in graphic detail. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, the Romans, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. The road of self-denial is a road of suffering. Our Lord Jesus is about to face the deepest possible pain. His friends are going to betray him. His people are going to condemn him. And his enemies are going to mock him and beat him and execute him. And yet, he's able to walk out front of his disciples and lead the way to Jerusalem with confidence. Come on, guys, we're losing time. Have you ever traveled with someone like that? All the stops are planned. All the, you can't go to the bathroom right now. We still have 30 minutes. Jesus is urging his disciples from the front, sounding the bugle horn, we're going to Jerusalem. How does he do that? Well, certainly none of us has suffered to the extent that Jesus did. But haven't all of us been betrayed by a friend or insulted or snubbed? And if we trust in the sovereignty of God, like Jesus did, we can walk in confidence like Jesus, even in our suffering. So I'm talking about the sovereignty of God, so I have to quote John Calvin. John Calvin writes, When we are unjustly wounded by men, let us overlook their wickedness. Otherwise, we would but worsen our pain and sharpen our minds to revenge. Let us overlook their wickedness, remember to mount up to God, and learn to believe for certain, listen, that whatever our enemy has wickedly committed against us was permitted by God. And John Wesley will end up saying the same thing. On the road of self-denial, we should expect to be mistreated. But we can be confident that whatever man intends for evil... God intends for good. We can forgive those who hurt us. And one day, God will account for every tear we shed. And we, like Jesus, will rise. That's for sure. But until then, we must serve like Jesus by walking with Jesus on the road of self-denial, trusting in the sovereignty and the goodness of God. So to serve like Jesus, we must die to self. But there is a second way we must serve like Jesus. In verses 35 through 40, we learn that in order to serve like Jesus, we must reject worldly ambition. 
We must reject worldly ambition. Now, not all ambition is evil. Each of us should strive to be successful in our work. The problem, as you know, is that we tend to not stop there, right? We end up contending with our coworkers, comparing ourselves to our siblings, competing against our own teammates. And before we know it, we're no longer striving for success, but for status. Bernard of Clairvaux said that, said that ambition was a secret poison. The father of spite, the mother of all hypocrisy. And he's talking about worldly ambition. We all have an insatiable desire for status. And the disciples, James and John, are no different from us in that regard. Look with me at verses 35 through 37. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. So do you see how worldly ambition poisons us? I mean, Jesus had just told them that he was about to suffer and die. And he went into graphic detail. He was going to be mocked and spit upon and beaten, flogged, executed. But James and John are concerned only with themselves. They come to Jesus privately and ask him for the positions of highest honor. Peter, James, and John were in the inner circle of disciples. They had access to Jesus that other people didn't. Who's missing from this picture? Where's Peter? He's left out. Their worldly ambition had not only sought status, but sought to step on their friend. That's how worldly ambition poisons us. And we see it here in the Gospels. This is nothing new. You are not alone in your struggle with this. We see it in the Gospels. So Jesus gives James and John a dose of reality. He replies to them in verse 38, You do not know what you are asking. So they want glory. But Jesus' greatest moment of glory will be on the cross. And there would be two open slots beside him. But it wouldn't be James and John. It would be two criminals hung beside him, condemned beside him. They don't know what they're asking. And Jesus continues, Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, Yeah, we can manage that. We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, 
you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Okay, so can you sense the massive disconnect in this conversation? The brothers and Jesus are on two completely different wavelengths. James and John, listen, James and John think that Jesus' cup of suffering is the cup of victory. And they think that Jesus' baptism, the one which he will undergo, (laughs) is a reference to the royal baths that prepare the emperors for for a victory feast. But they could not be more wrong. Jesus is a different kind of king. And just as Jesus will soon suffer, they will suffer too. John will be beheaded by Herod. Excuse me, James will be beheaded by Herod. And John will be exiled by the Romans. All the same, John Stott comments that the world and even the church is full of Jameses and Johnses, go-getters, status-seekers, hungry for honor and prestige, measuring life by achievement, and everlastingly dreaming of success. But is this ambitious mindset really that pervasive? Stott says that the world and the church, that's us folks, are full of Jameses and Johns. How can we know when we've become a James or a John? It's when our desire for success degenerates into a desire for status. It's when a father is up to his ears in work and too busy for his children on a nightly basis. It's when a mother takes her children to a special activity only to post pictures on Facebook. It's when a child studies for an exam only to top his siblings or beat out his classmates in the eyes of teacher and parent. It's when a pastor baptizes someone only to add to the church's roles. Friends, that is the way of competition. It is not the way of the cross. In the kingdom of our Lord Jesus, the way up is down, the way to success is through service, and the way to glory is through suffering. That means... We must reject all worldly ambition. You don't get there like that. Serve your way into the kingdom. Serve your way into the kingdom. Serve your way into that promotion. Let God take care of the promotion. That brings us to our third and final point for this morning. 
In verses 41 through 45, we learn that in order to serve like Jesus, we must become a slave of all. We read in verse 41 that the other ten disciples are livid at James and John when they find out what they've attempted. I mean, wouldn't you be? Uh, Some commentators even suggest that a fight broke out and threatened to split up the group. Um, The other disciples had been wronged, but Jesus knows that they and we, we'd do the very same thing if we had just had the opportunity. They're not mad because they're insulted. They're mad because the other disciples got the jump on them. They got to play golf with the boss. Our sinful nature is red in tooth and claw. God created humans good. But we fell and we are desperately sick. In some cases, we would rather die than be demoted. And yet Jesus tells us that in order to be great in the kingdom of God, we must demote ourselves. Look with me at verses 42 and 43. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, he's talking about the Romans here, Lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Now, compare those words you've just heard with the words of the ancient emperor Genghis Khan, who said, a man's greatest work is to break his enemies, to drive them before him, to take from them all the things that have been theirs, to hear the weeping of those who cherished them, to take their horses between his knees, and to press in his arms the most desirable of their women. Could a sharper contrast be drawn? Khan challenges us to rise to power by getting. You take what's rightfully yours. Doesn't that sound like the garden in any sense? You take what's rightfully yours. Jesus teaches us to rise to power By giving. So the CEO, excuse me, the way to CEO, everyone's listening now. (laughs) The way to CEO is by cleaning bathrooms. The way to senior pastor is by playing tag with the children. The way to president is serving and knowing the names of the homeless. At least that's how it is in God's kingdom. Why is it this way? 
Because that's how God became king in Jesus. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man. You all are studying Daniel, right? You know the Son of Man. How far did his kingdom go? To the ends of the earth. How long did it last? Forever. The Son of Man, God's King, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we're like James and John. We're enslaved by our ambition and our self-centeredness and our constant demand of everyone, including Jesus, is do for us, do for us. You remember them saying that? Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. But Jesus comes to this earth saying, do for you, do for you. And that's how he responded to James and John. What do you want me to do for you? And in laying his life down for us, he not only forgives us, but he frees us to follow his example. His self-denial empowers our self-denial. His suffering empowers our suffering. His service empowers our service. He's not just an example. He's a source of power for us. When we see the cross, when we trust in our sin being taken by him there, we are empowered to live like Jesus. One of our deacons, he's not here. I wonder if he's serving. I really do. Mr. A.J. Melendez has chosen as his life song the refrain of the hymn, Others. I had never heard of this hymn. If you haven't, you're in good company. Is he serving? (laughs) That's great. Let's pray. No, that is great. The hymn, Others, the refrain is what he's adopted as his own. Others, Lord, yet yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I might live like thee. And friends, that's not just the motto of a deacon. It's to be the motto of every Christian in this room. That is our mission. Those are our marching orders. The way to greatness is through humility. The path path to success is through service. And as we walk the road of self-denial and suffering, let us always look to our Lord, our servant King, the Son of Man, and say to Him over and over and over again, because you did for me, I do for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise you for the way you came to earth, sought not your own status, took the form of a lowly servant to serve. You were a lowly servant, and now you are highly exalted. Help us to take our cue from you, not just as our example, 
but as our generator, our source of power. We pray to you now that you would fill us with your spirit, that we might be your hands and feet on this earth in which you have placed us. Help us to live for others that we might live like thee. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand as we sing.